You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. I went and got a trim the other day, and the gal just kept stroking my beard. She said, this is the softest beard I've ever felt. And I said, well, I take care of it. Yeah, it's all (laughs) the beard's beard oil. Yeah. That's awesome. Got to get that length to really feel the softness. That's cool. Yeah. All right, well, we're here uh, at the Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City. I'm McCade Cox. I'm Zach Mikesell. I'm Ian Duclos. And I'm Jeff Baird. Jeff Baird, the man, the myth, the legend himself. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> the Viking. Yeah, I'll take that one. Okay, it's a good <laughs> one. <like that. laughs> so Jeff, uh, he dabbles in quite a few different things. Um, why don't you give us a little history of, of who you are and what you do, Jeff? Um, you know, just always been passionate about mule deer and hunting and uh, just being out away from town and... Uh, just got me into that world. One of my best friends became a taxidermist, and I was always so jealous because he could always touch stuff, you know. And, yeah. and I had no idea. You, you don't now with social media, we see what gets killed. But back then, taxidermists seen the monsters. You seen the picture at the hardware store or the hunting store. Somebody got something, but you know, it gave me. I could go over there and hang out and see stuff, and so you know that that was there, and. Uh, uh, Ended up, he kind of fell apart taxidermy-wise, and everybody started getting mad, and uh, I went and helped him and tried to get him out of hole and kind of learned that I love fleshing raw animals. I love turning the ears inside out. I love... You love that stuff. Love it. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's love, hard work. Love uh, turning the lips on a cactus, you know, a buck that's lived in the cactus all its life and be able to see what he was eating and foraging on and you know it's like a lot of these guys like ryan hatch and these guys keep saying you don't know mule deer until you spend a lot of time with them and it's amazing how much you learn just from being a taxidermist you so know. do you think that that's helped you become a better mule deer hunter by being yeah a taxidermist? yeah <laughs> the problem with being a taxidermist is i never want to shoot him in the shoulder <laughs> you know? i'm always like oh i think i can go a little further back on yeah. this shot you know but but no, yeah, work. for sure. You know, habits of deer and, yeah. and where they're feeding, what they're feeding on. You know, I get a lot of gross stuff in the shop, and we see it all. So, Wow. What do you mean yeah. by gross stuff? Well, <laughs> that needs some elaboration. I don't know if you guys seen on, uh, I think I posted on the strip taxidermy thing, but I got an Idaho buck in this year, just a massive old, 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 old buck. You know, one of those ones that don't matter score, mm-hmm. it just, you know he's hit that eight nine years old and and uh it ain't getting better my buddy shot it and when i skinned the head off i noticed a bunch of big nodule bumps and not only were they on the hide but they're around the ears the face stuff like that and so took my you know knife because you got to see what it is (laughs) and uh cut it open and pushed on it a little bit and man it looked like tapioca green oh, pudding coming man. out and it was it was that thick consistency and wow you know everybody's running around hacking and cacking in my shop freaking out and for me it, it was cool <laughs> you know what 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 happened with this deer you know what was 
what was stuck in there, what kind of virus infection, yeah. you know. I guess that's the gross part, yeah, that's you gross. know. And then I get a lot of awesome hunters that leave me a lot of a lot of meat and guts and uh, <laughs> everything else on the hide. Yeah. So. Do you ever, like, want to give, like, an overall training on how to properly cape out a deer? And yeah, and it's been done. I need every, it, Everybody needs it. We all need it. Right. I've screwed up capes, you know, and, and, and I'd rather you guys leave a little more on there and not screw up a cape so that I... I, the better you bring me the animal, the better I take care of it as a taxidermist, the better your your uh, trophy's going to turn out as an amount, you know, and stuff. Yeah. It's it's night and day. I, I just I just got three capes from Mexico that were completely salted, and not one thing fleshed on them. So they're covered in meat. Yeah. The ears aren't turned. The nose, nothing split. And I can send that to the tannery, and they're going to flesh it a little bit for me. But it's never going to be as beautiful of capes as if I would have got them correctly. Mm -hmm. If they wouldn't have salted them, just kept them froze, that would have been fine. Mm -hmm. I can turn them all. I can do everything. But we get that a lot. A lot of Alaska hunters, their guides, outfitters will salt them to preserve the hide, but they're just hurting us. The only time you ever want your hunting guide or party or anybody with you to put salt on an animal is if... That guy has turned the lips, eyes, ears, and mouth, and everything, and there's not a there's no meat on the hide. Then salt it, great, you know, let it get out dried, and and for sure it's gonna come it's gonna come safe. But most of us taxidermists are pretty big freaks about doing it ourselves. I don't yeah. want you <laughs> fleshing my animal, you know. Yeah. Monarch taxidermy, they're they're here at this expo, and they're unbelievable tax. I don't want them fleshing my animals. They don't want me fleshing theirs. So, you know, we're all just a little Particular about sure. your own styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I can, my best friend, um, Zeb Hansen, he's a big stuff taxidermy. Oh, yeah. Him and Dirk. And, uh-huh. and Zeb was with me when I had my sportsman's tag there. And so when I shot it on the Henry Mountains, he's covered in velvet. He's probably a couple days away from stripping. Uh-huh. You know, and he's right there. He did all the caping. He did everything. Yep. Um, and then he had the formaldehyde, injected the velvet right then, and. Everyone's like, how does, your, how does your velvet look so good? Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't let me, when we got back into town, he wouldn't let me parade it around. No. He's like, no, that goes in the freezer. freezer. He's like, don't, we're not putting that on four-wheeler and you're driving up and down Main Street. Oh. He says, you'll destroy that velvet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We <laughs> see so, it every year. We'll, we'll have maggots in the velvet because they paraded it around. Mm-hmm. You know, that's flesh under yeah. there. Yeah. You know, there's blood. That's bacteria. Once it turns, it's going to be bad. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So as a taxidermist, how do you keep your, I don't know, your desire to hunt mule deer? You know what I mean? Like you see oh, big mule deer being brought in. Is it different, obviously, when you see it, you're hunting for yourself, you mm-hmm. see it on hoof, you're like, it you has, gets your blood going? It has changed me in the fact that I used to be 30, I don't know what generation you guys grew up in, I'm 41 years old, it was something 30 inches wide. That was a trophy. You know, and then here, the last 10, 15 years, it's rotated to a, a 200-inch mule deer. But with taxidermy, what, what's been the neatest thing for me is I really don't give a crap about score no more. I don't want to shoot a 190 buck that's four years old. I want to shoot a 190 buck that's six to eight to ten years old where they put on the mask, they've got the look, they've got the cape, and this is that taxidermist coming out in you, but... I want a mature cape. I, I, uh, 
a mature buck for me to mount is going to be a 10 times prettier mount and a better looking mount because of the size of the actual animal. You know, I mean, we can do a lot of work to break these forms down and create something to look a little more mature. But, and we get that all the time. We get guys bringing monster deadheads and they're like, oh, hey, I, I killed this three point. Put that cape on there. <laughs> You're like, you well, quite yeah, a two and a half year old buck. Uh -uh. <laughs> yeah. And no so it, it's changed me in the fact that I appreciate maturity a lot more, you know, and that's, you know, it used to be a 30 incher, a 200 incher and, and granted, those are still fun numbers to hit, but the maturity of the animal, a two-point, I get, oh, my heck, you guys should see the two-point that come in this year from over by Monticello or, or uh, Moab. The, I mean, I hate when people call them trolls, but uh, <laughs> they, this thing, was, it, it was Coke can massive, you know, and as a two-point, I mean, had no teeth in its head, and you just wonder what that thing had seen and done, yeah. you know, wow. so how smart it was just mm -hmm. to avoid everybody for so long. Well, there's so many predators out there and vehicles, you know, they can make it across sure. these highways all the time and make it. It's pretty amazing. That is very true. Yeah. Well, we were talking with you yesterday, just here in front of your booth mm -hmm. and that story you told about the hunt where you saw that deer, he was just staring at you and disappeared. And it, it took you the whole hunt to realize that's the deer you wanted. Yeah. By the time you realized that. It, and it was a mature buck. It yeah, had that 24-inch looking neck and that big deep brisket <laughs> and the dark coloring and the maturity, you know. And like I, I was telling you guys, it just looked at me, looked away, and then come back and locked eyes on me. And it knew it had to leave the does, it had to get out of there. And it didn't do nothing stupid like run off. In fact, it, it kind of surprised me. It, it hit a little patch of bushes and stood there probably 45 minutes without moving a muscle, just staring at me to see what I was going to do. And here he had a little bit of cover between us. You know, I still probably could have got the shot off, but it's just that's how they get there. If I didn't know he would have been there, I never would have known he was there. And it makes you always wonder how many times I walked into a canyon and something just locked down and never moved again. Yeah. yeah. You know. And yeah, no, we had that. We we just went out during the rut here locally, and we were just kind of looking around, and we found a huge typical, and we watched him. We kind of bumped him a little bit, and so he kind of worked his way with his does up, then he kind of went a little higher, and then there were times where it's like, he just does it. Where did he go? Mm -hmm. And he's perfectly behind a tree, or he bedded down, or you know, just something perfect. And it's like, yeah, you always wonder, how many big deer have I walked oh, past? Man because I haven't been diligently glassing or I get impatient. I'm like, okay, next canyon, let's yep. go. You yeah. know, and it's like, they're there. Oh. They're just smart. Well, the whole way up the mountain, that buck knew right where we were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, he went about his business, but it was like he would look back and look right at us mm -hmm. <laughs> the whole way up. Does would never look at us. And, and there's something special about that point where the rut's so... You know, so heavy that they go. You know what? Screw it. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta take this chance. Yeah. There's something special about that day that we yeah. get to see these monarchs, you know, come out and go. Well, it's worth the chance. Yeah. You know. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about the uh, those late season muzzleloader hunts during the? Because you you're southern Utah, mm -hmm. a couple units down there. General season They're units have fire. that that muzzleloader hunt. Were you kind of bitter in the beginning, or were you like, hey, this is a great opportunity to harvest one of these, you know, ghosts, these gray ghosts that never show themselves? Until you know now? what? I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm always excited about more hunting opportunities for sportsmen, and especially where it's a limited 
number of tags. Right. I grew up in southern Utah hunting the late season muzzleloader. Some of my greatest memories are running around with a hawk and shooting 20 feet above a deer, you know, in the desert. Uh, but, you know, if I had my nowadays muzzleloaders, everything would have been different. But what I would love to see the Division of Wildlife do is break it down into more units. I mean, here we are on the Pine Valley unit, the greatest, some of the greatest genetics, unarguably, in the state of Utah. You look at the record books, you know, mm -hmm. we have the Boone and Crockett typicals, we have the Boone and Crockett non-typicals. Uh, you know, here, here we are up by Cabela's, they got the J.K. Fry buck in there, a 207 net typical from 1990, you know, 1989 right in there. Those genetics are there. We have that typical genetic. The bowler buck was killed there, 256 net non-typical. I think it was killed within a year of that, you know. And every year we see it, we've seen a 240 buck come off the Pine Valley this year. You know, it's one of the, I, I think hands down is the neatest buck at this expo big velvet buck killed with a bow by a by a cop out of cedar city or i'm sorry i don't know what he does for a living for sure but i think he's a an officer but uh we have the genetics but we also have such an extreme amount of land in the pine valley unit that could be broke down and managed so much better mm. because there are different deer herds there and there are different i mean there's highways separating these units mm -hmm. that could be awesome so you know, growing up there, to answer your question, I love it. I wish there was more of it. You know, break these seasons up more. And now they are. They're doing the, the two rifle hunts and stuff. But I would like to see it even be, get another fishing game officer down there and a biologist and break it into another unit and have them over that. Yeah, I like that. Don't get me going on this crap. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're watching the podcast... <clears throat> We're going to be have throw this up on YouTube, but you can tell that Jeff has a very <clears throat> Viking-esque yeah. man beard. It's, yeah, it's to the ridiculous stage. But it's to no, the awesome it's stage. To like, yeah, the ridiculously awesome. <laughs> How long is your beard? Do you know? Um, my daughter did a contest a couple months ago. I think it was like 27, 28 inches long, somewhere in there. Probably a couple inches since then, you wow. know. Um, you ever yeah. trim it? Yeah, them, split get split ends. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's always braided, so I don't really bother me that way. I used to trim it a lot more. After this show, I'll probably take three or four inches off just to make sure it's the same length. Mm -hmm. You know, because obviously some sides grow a little longer than others, or one side curls a little more than the other. So I need to find a barber out there that knows how to cut a beard too. So <laughs> that'd be rad. But yeah, does it ever get in the way of things you're doing? If it's not braided, yeah, it's a nightmare. It, you know, you can't right. pick up a baby. You can't save somebody. Zip you know, up your jacket. <laughs> yeah, you eat know, a taco. You notice, I Dead Eye's got some of the raddest zip-up sweatshirts. I'm like, oh, oh, they're all zippers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. So yeah. So give give us a backstory. You've told us before, but let's. How did the beard? The beard. Come to be? Sure. Um, so yeah. Uh, I didn't grow up LDS. Well, I guess I grew up LDS, but I didn't. You know, we were never a part of the church or anything. I married my beautiful wife, got extremely lucky, love the church now, you know, always always will, always have. Um, and uh, I have my, my son is like, you know, my oldest son, he's 22 now, but he's like the light of my life. You know, he's my best friend. He cared more about me than his own friends. 
and you know I've got three other kids that don't and, <laughs> which is fine but you know he decided to serve a mission I was extremely proud I I was like yes you got to do it I'm so excited I was excited the moment we pulled up and then all of a sudden they give us a number and say okay you could drive to this number and let them out and stay in your vehicle type stuff and <laughs> you know it, it, when you let go of somebody you love <laughs> You know, it, it, it's an awesome and weird feeling. I, I, I think the, the, the word for the whole missionary experience for me as a father was weird. You know, because yeah. you drive up and drop your best friend off for two years and you're not going to talk to him or touch him or punch him or wrestle him <laughs> or, or see who can throw a rock further because we can't catch fish, you know. And, and uh, it was a weird feeling yeah. and it was tough. And, and anyway, sorry, I go on, but... Uh, he gets out of the truck, and I go, I ain't shaving until you get home. Because we just joke nonstop. And he goes, you better not. And we're trying not to cry looking at each other. <laughs> How long was your beard at that point? Uh, like your guys's, oh, you okay. know. I've so always had awesome. a beard. Yeah, just in that <laughs> bad A state, you know. But uh, not to the ridiculous clown circus stuff. But, but yeah, I shaved off, and people at my gym didn't you know who I was because I always have something. And then, yeah, it just it kind of caught on, and then he got home, and... Uh, you know, he's been home two years and four months now, and <laughs> I ain't shaving. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what. It'll probably get caught in something. <laughs> get force your hand. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Catch on fire. Fire or oh, something. Oh man! Watch yeah. out around rotating equipment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I run flushing wheels, all sorts of stuff, and yeah, we'll we'll get caught. So braid, braid it and keep it tucked into your shirt yeah. when you're working. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. At, at what point during? Was it while your son was still in his mission? Was it your daughter or your wife that came up with the idea for Baird's Beard Oil? It was my daughter. It was your daughter. Um, yeah, because I, I obviously use a lot of it and enjoy it. And the guy actually who was making it there locally quit making it. And we tried some European. We tried all sorts of different scents. And to be honest with you, a lot of the scents were like, I don't, not to be racist, but gypsy or or like you know like a lot of patchouli and things yeah like, that. like i'm not that way i'm not a <laughs> like i'm not an oils like guy or an incense guy <laughs> yeah. you know and so my daughter messed around with a bunch of scents and i'd say no and yeah and no and yeah and we come up i think we got three or four and we got a great cover scent for hunting you know some pine things like that um we got cat's meow that's kind of the women's favorite i love cats yeah meow. <laughs> a lot of the guys you <laughs> know obviously the guys like, love it you smell good yeah. what is that my beard it's uh -huh. an attention getter man <laughs> come is. closer uh-huh well that's yeah. how you got our attention yeah. last year at the expo that's where we met you and yep. you're like nice beards guys <laughs> we're like what your beard is way better <laughs> no and uh, i was like what is that delicious aroma i'm mm -hmm. smelling Cats me out. It's cats yeah. me out. <laughs> yep. And gum barrel musk is my favorite. A little more manly, yeah, but like it, you know, I can. It's it's fun to go back and forth too, because mm -hmm. obviously you're going to get sick of something every day. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so. the cool thing about about your oils is they're they're all stuff that nobody else is doing. Yeah. Their scents, like you said, you were looking for and you like. So. And I've been surprised, you know, because we've tried quite a few, and it's you know, I I've tried other beard oil companies because I like you know supporting other people too, mm -hmm. and. Yeah. Uh, and I've always been surprised nobody's had the same sense as us. You know, obviously pines and some of our cedar woods are more similar to some, but mm -hmm. but yeah, the cat's meow, gum barrel. We just come out with the fireball, which, you know, people have had bad time with fireball whiskey. You don't, you get that around them, they get a little nauseated. But if not, it's a great smell. It's like the fireball suckers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so That's been my favorite recently. Yeah. 
Yeah. That so, mixed with a little bit of gum brown musk. There you go. That's pretty awesome. Nice. So you've got all these scents, and you've got the oils, and then you've also got the butters. Uh-huh. What are the differences between the So two? a butter to me is more, if I go to Alaska, my beard blows up. If I go to Hawaii, my beard blows up. Humidity. The humidity in the air. And some most a lot of the time I come up here, Salt Lake, it does the same thing. I'm a desert rat. You know, I'm down in that dry desert. I don't have to use a lot of the butter. But butters, you're going to... You're going to be more, uh, you know, a control thing because you're obviously turning it from a butter to an oil by rubbing it in your hands and putting it back on your beard. The body temperature is not going to affect it and it's going to have a little more control. Obviously, the oils are going to help with your skin conditioning, your scent, you know, all, you know, more than the butter will. And the butter does seem to last a little longer in scent because it is more of a, a waxy substance, yeah. you know. So how much butter did you have to use this morning for that whole entire thing? Uh, you know, I, I like, like I said, up here I, I did oil, and I, I usually do the palm of my hand. <laughs> it's pretty deep. Yeah. You know, a lot of people I recommend a pea, you know, maybe the size of a dime or a nickel. But when it's to the ridiculous clown style <laughs> beard, you know, then style of beard, then, yeah, that takes a little more. Now, have you had to convince your wife to let you to continue having the beard, or does she love it? I swear she loves it, and and she we loves me. Yeah, she's she's the most supportive woman in the world. I mean, I can go I can go hunt Arizona for two weeks, and call her and say I just found a ride to Mexico. I'm gonna go down there and hunt for a couple of weeks, and she's like, okay, I love you, you know, and she keeps That's everything awesome. going and. And, you know, we support each other. We've been together since we are 15, so I don't think we know any different than, you know, whatever's, awesome. whatever's good. Yeah, and, and so the beard has been great with her. I, I've joked with her and said, hey, I've had it. I'm cutting it off. Just see what she's going to say and be serious. <laughs> right. And she's like, no, you're not. You're not <laughs> cutting off that beard. You know, so gives me a little hope she still That's loves awesome. it and likes it. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. My yeah. wife, my wife struggles with mine. Mm-hmm. Mine too. She's like, ah, yeah. oh, she's like. I can't kiss you, you know, but because it's not to the soft It's not stage. soft yet. I need to get to that point. My then, wife you know. hit. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just love right. having the freedom to grow the beard I want. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you just need to find a woman who loves your beard. There you That's go. That's the key. We talked to Mark Muley Slayer Smith yesterday, and we asked him a question like, what, what qualities or, or how do you look for a good hunting partner? Mm-hmm. And he related it to finding partner. a life partner yeah. like his wife yeah and uh i think it was it hit home like a lot like yeah. well you know you you really got to look for someone that's trusting and has faith and you know you support one another and he said it is not a, a 50 50 no. uh, you know um contribution to each other it's a 100 100 yeah and we were like whoa yeah, yeah. That's deep. i never thought about that. yeah it hit us hard it's cool and uh so it sounds like you and your wife have that exact same thing. You found it. We've been fortunate. I think we're 20, 24 years this year of being married. We've been together three years before that. And like I said, I just, I get up here at the expo. I, I go around a lot of places and I see a lot of women and a lot of relationships. And I go, dang, I got it pretty good at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't need much convincing. And if you've seen my wife, then I've been told 15 million times that, I definitely married up, so, yeah. yeah and there's yeah, no that's why you want to do mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. No greater compliment when somebody says, yeah, yep. Oh, yeah. How yeah. did you get her? Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing is, though, about the beard, I have to throw it in, is, is 
My wife's insanely gorgeous. She's got an identical twin. And I mean, since I was 15, I've been infatuated, but so has everybody else in Southern Utah or anywhere else we go. And I've had guys looking her up and down right in front of me, like, bro. Like, dude, I could. Like, I've stepped in front of guys and go, what's up, you know? <laughs> and they're looking at me like, oh, well, get out of the way, dude. Did you see this lady? <laughs> but now? <laughs> but with the beard? Oh, yes. Holy. I look around and guys are just nodding at me. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, sir. oh, yep, yes, yep. Sir. <laughs> yeah. you know, Playing the part. It's kind of took the attention off her, which has been great for me, you, you know. Go. Or if they are looking at her, mm -hmm. you just... Mm. Isn't it amazing? Kind of thing? stroke the beard. Yeah, yeah. Start that's, carrying a hatchet everywhere you go too. Seriously, <laughs> that's cool. That's so Jeff, awesome. I have another question for you, um, and everyone kind of has a different answer. But to you, what defines a successful hunt? What makes a hunt successful? You know, when you look back at every hunt you've done, because it, it's always the friendships, and it's always I do a lot of solo hunting. And, and I've told people this is I, I killed a deer on a on a really good tag in Colorado the first day like five years ago. And I called my wife so pissed. Was a big mature buck, you know, just a gagger, neat, neat buck. You can't not shoot him. And uh, I called my wife and she goes, what's wrong? And I go, I had seven days by myself to sit here and think about how I can be a better dad, how I can be a better husband how i can run my businesses better and you only get that clarity in the mountains mm -hmm. and and so it's 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 a big answer you know for your question but obviously the relationships you have out there a deer's a deer it's just a stupid deer i hate to say it we all spend so much money on it and me everybody does you know <laughs> but it's just a deer when it comes down to it. you go to a funeral you know and you listen to what what the attributes of that person was i really i told all my kids one day please don't get up and say i was a good hunter right please get up and say that your dad always told you he loved you mm -hmm. you know because that's what matters and i get those relationships with my kids so much better away from television so much better away from our phones the distractions of the mm -hmm. world i agree 100 percent. i would just my grandfather passed away this last week and i was able to go to his funeral and it really put things into perspective like you're saying it uh you know, the things of this world don't matter no. one bit. We think they do. No. And some of the things, I think, help us have some enjoyable times. Sure. But really, the only thing you can that lasts is the relationships you make. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, it put things into perspective. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, this week I, I went out a couple times shed hunting or just trying to kind of see where the deer have been. And it's funny because I get up above the town of Twilla and everything's so small, mm -hmm. right? You're up on the mountain, you just realize, and it's like down here, when you're amongst everybody, you tend to, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, look yeah. at the nice truck they have. Oh, yeah. Look at the house they have. Look at all the space they have. Look at the acreage they have. When you get up on the mountain, you look down, you're like, everything that is such a big deal in my life is minuscule. It's yep. tiny. Yep. So I agree 100%. When you get up in the mountains, mm -hmm. clear your mind. Yep. You just you kind of get things in perspective, and it's like, okay, hey, what's really important here? Sure. You know, and like you said, it's it's relationships with, with those you love. It's relationships with your hunting buddies. It's mm -hmm. it's the you know the laughing and the making fun of each other yep. and getting back to camp, telling stories, whatever it is. Yeah. That's what you remember. And you know, you know, hate to bring up Heavenly Father too much. To, well, I don't hate it. I like it. But, <laughs> my relationships always better with Him. And I hate, I don't like it when people say, well, that's my church is out in the hills. 
And I get that. I 100% get it. Because you're out there and you can hear him. Things are a little quiet, things like that. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father, your relationship with your dad, you know, you work a lot of, lot of neat stuff out up there. That's for sure. Yeah. That is true. I think that's a great uh, ending note. I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it just hits home to me. That's The mountains are my, my solitude. Yep. Um, Jeff, real quick, where can people find out more about uh, your Baird's Beard Oil? Your taxidermy. What's what's um, the name of your taxidermy? Strip taxidermy. Strip taxidermy. Because <laughs> I'm always yeah. like, is it Baird's taxidermy? Is no. it what is it? But I get one interesting phone call a year, you know, saying they want to try out. So, <laughs> but no, it's strip taxidermy. I live there at the, you know, right on the foothills there is on a strip and uh, obsessed with it. And I want to mount every strip buck that comes off. So strip taxidermy. You know, I th- I know I have a website. I've never really been to it, <laughs> but uh, it le- it links you to me and my phone numbers, things like that. And obviously on Instagram, I'm, I'm strip taxidermy. My daughter's uh, Baird's Beard Oil. And so a lot of people think they're messaging me and, and, and she'll pass the messages on to me a lot, you know, and be like, oh, dad, you got to answer this one. So, <laughs> but that's at Baird's Beard Oil. And then uh, obviously I, she's got a website, BairdSpiritOil.com. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Definitely go check it out. I use it every day. I just ran out of my gum barrel musk butter, so I need to go buy some right now. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to get me some as well. Yeah, we're going to come around the yeah, corner here. It. Definitely <laughs> check it out. Okay, Jeff. Well, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yep. Good Good to see you guys yeah. again. Yeah. Good to see you. It's a great you. time of year. Definitely. Absolutely. Cool. All right.